Have you ever thought about your ability to remember? Have you ever thought about what your life would be like if you could not remember anything? Uh, even while you were singing, um, my mind was a flood of memories because uh, farther along uh, at a when I was just new in the Lord and, and we was going through some very difficult times, uh, I slipped into the church that I attended and no one was around. I just wanted to spend some quiet time with the Lord. And I was asking him a lot of questions. Uh, why this and why that? Maybe you've never been there. You've probably never asked the Lord why about anything, but, but I do. And uh, I sat on the back row of the church and uh, God broke into my thoughts and said, listen. And, you know, God doesn't speak to me all that often. You know, a lot of people have a hotline. They get direct revelation. But somehow my communication sometimes is, is kind of clouded. But, um, but I know his voice when he does talk to me. And he said, listen. And uh, there was an old deacon that was in the back working on something. And he was whistling. And he was whistling that tune. Farther along, we'll know all about it. And the Lord just broke in on my life and let me know that, listen, you have all these questions now. Now, I slipped out of that church. That deacon didn't know I was there. But that was one of those moments that he had the right message that God wanted me to hear. And I went away from that place uh, blessed, farther along. Answer, God answered my question through a deacon in the back who was whistling. Isn't that awesome? <laughs> what would our life be like without the ability to remember? How many ever seen that movie, 50 First Dates? Some of you have never seen it? Well, what's 50 First Dates about? She doesn't have a memory. She wakes up and has to be reprogrammed every day. And this guy's in love with her, and he and uh, every time he meets her, it's like, I don't know who you are. And they spent the day the day prior, they spent the day together, but she couldn't remember it. So that was how the movie goes, 51st Dates. In our life, if we did not have the ability to remember, it'd be 51st Dates. It'd be a reality. You'd wake up, not know anything about anything. Now, we're made in God's image, so uh, God has the ability to remember, and he passed that on to us. Now, the gift of memory, you better, and we'll talk about, better be glad we have it, but God has a memory, but he also has the ability to forget. Now, when God forgets, when he chooses to forget something, uh, he doesn't remember it anymore. Now, we're not that we're not that uh, privileged. Uh, God can, aren't you glad he forgets about your sins? Uh, he, he chooses not to remember your past. When you pray through and the blood is applied to your life, he, he chooses not to remember some things about your life. Because we are made in his image, we have this wonderful gift, the ability to remember. Remember. Without it, we would not be able to advance in life. Can you imagine 
trying to advance in life without being with the ability to remember. You'd never graduate school. You'd never remember any of the lectures. You'd never remember anything you read. Now, and you'd never remember anything anybody preached. That, that's, around here, that's reality. <laughs> My mama can't tell you, if you call her tomorrow and ask, what did Johnny preach on yesterday? She couldn't tell you. But she will tell you it's good. It was good. I always wondered about that. How can it be good when you can't remember what they said? But no matter who preaches, it was good. It was good. <laughs> we couldn't learn. We couldn't advance in life. Uh, the things we hear, the songs, these beautiful songs that they sing, uh, they'd have to have words in front of them all the time because they didn't have the ability to remember. Now, remember, there is courses that you can take to improve your memory. Anybody ever took any courses to improve? Some of you need to. You know, you associate names. You know, how many times have you been introduced to someone and you forget, you don't remember their name till you sit down? A whole bunch of times. The, the memory, uh, you know, you, you, there was one memory course that you associate people with animals or whatever. Or you pick out some feature, you know, like which Wanda you know, the nose or whatever. Is there any Wanda's here? I'm sorry. Who don't we have here? Well, Angel. We'll call my Angel Wanda. <laughs> the ability to remember some people's names. And I had to work on that. I tell you, there's another course in memory that you can take. You just forget some things important in your marriage. That would be a course. You'll never forget that again. That is, that's the one course that we all have. Even though we have a memory and we are blessed with a memory, it can also bring us pain, can it? The loss of a loved one, um, that painful divorce, all the relationship problems, all of those things that, and it's interesting about a memory, when you pull the memory up or the file is pulled, you relive the same emotion that you did, and it was almost like it was happening yesterday because it, you're able to, with the memory, pull up also the same emotions. It is very interesting about this thing called a memory. And because we have a memory, God gave us instruction on how to use our memory. In Philippians chapter 4 and verse 8, he says these words, Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are noble, whatsoever things are just, Whatsoever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report, if there is any virtue, and if there is anything praiseworthy, think on these things. In other words, when, you, when your memory pulls a file on something, you throw it up in the light of inspection. Is this a praiseworthy memory? And if it's not, then you have the choice to, to, to close the file on that because God has given us instruction. There is a lot of things that are true that goes on in our world. But God says you don't need to kind of, you know, think about things like that. Because there's nothing praiseworthy or anything virtuous about that. So that's a, a deciding line what we are to remember. Many things goes into our mind. Be selective on how we allow our memory to cause us to dwell on them. Even though we have been blessed with a memory, sometimes we just forget 
important events in our life. Isn't it true? We just are prone to forget that. And God knew that. God knew that, that we would forget things. In fact, in the Scripture, Psalms 103, He tells us, now it's not on that sheet, so you don't have to turn to that, but He said, forget not all of His benefits. Oh, bless the Lord, O oh my soul, and forget not all of His benefits. And the reason He said that is because He knows that we are prone to forget life's important things. In Genesis chapter 9 and verse 13, He was talking to Noah, and He said, and he was talking about the covenant that He was going to make. And he said this, I will set my rainbow in the cloud, and it shall be for a sign of the covenant between me and the earth. When we see the rainbow, every time you see a rainbow, it triggers a memory of a covenant that God has made with mankind, that he would no longer destroy the earth with water again. Now, when, when people who don't understand the Bible or have no Bible knowledge or they're unsaved or they're not privileged to the knowledge, it's just a, a rainbow and it's beautiful and it's nice to look at. But we, when us, we people that have revelation, we know exactly what it means. It is a sign. We remember the covenant that God made with the earth and with the animals and with all flesh. It triggers a memory. But let me go on and read the rest of this. Verse 14 says, And it shall be when I bring a cloud over the earth, that the rainbow shall be seen in the cloud, and I will remember my covenant. Not only is the rainbow put there for trigger you and I's memory, but it also, when God sees it, He remembers. Isn't that awesome? He remembers the covenant that He has made with us. In Joshua chapter 4, God knew that, that we were prone to forget, so He instructed people along the way to build memorials so that that our memory would be triggered in Joshua chapter 4, verses 6 and 7. He, he was telling Joshua that he's going into the promised land, and the instructions were have uh, ahead of all the tribes pick up a stone uh, in the middle of the river, go up, build a memorial stone. And so this is the setting that this may be a sign among you. When your children ask in time to come, saying, What do these stones mean to you? Then you shall answer them that the waters of the Jordan were cut off before the ark of the covenant of the Lord when it crossed over the Jordan. The waters of Jordan were cut off, and these stones shall be for a memorial for the children of Israel forever. And he's saying, use the event. When they ask, what does this mean? This pile of stones, this memorial stone. He said, I want you to take that opportunity when they ask, to rehearse the event that took place this day. Use that as an opportunity to pass on to the next generation what happened so that the next generation and the next generation and the next generation will know what is taking place. Rehearse the event. That is what Memorial Day is all about. When our children ask, a lot of our young people, they have no idea the sacrifice. They have no idea of the pain they have no idea uh, of the tears and the remorse that some families feel of losing someone they love in war. They'll never understand the sacrifice and the danger and the things that the men and women of the armed services went uh, through to get to this point here. And because they don't know, they don't appreciate what they have. Have no idea. They're just, they're just uh, we're here uh, and, uh, and, 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 you know, bless God, uh, I'm the only one that's important here. I'm telling you, the things that we enjoy today, somebody paid for it. 
Somebody paid for it. Somebody had to pick up a rifle and, uh, and jump out of an airplane with a parachute. Now, I don't jump out of planes. I might be pushed out. I knew I wasn't going to go that route. But somebody had to pick up a rifle. Somebody had to pick up a grenade. And somebody had to get on a ship and board a ship and go across to, a, to another world and fight a battle so that the battle wouldn't be here. And our young people need to know on Memorial Day, it's not just the beginning of summer vacation. A lot of blood was spilled, 58,000 the war that I was connected with, 58,000 names on the Vietnam Memorial Wall. I don't know how many thousands of names is engraved in World War II. I don't know how many thousands of young men, young men, young men that gave their life in World War II to, to uh, defeat tyranny. Uh, and as a result, we're, we're free today. I'm telling you, thousands and thousands of men and women gave their life. You need to remember. I need to remember. I need to rehearse it. Pass it on to the next generation. Don't take what you have for granted. Somebody gave their life for that. I, uh, man, when I think about the heroes of World War II, I don't know how many thousand, what, a half a million? About a half a million. I don't know how many. They were saying today on the news this morning how many thousands of young men gave their lives. If you want to find out, uh, some of you young people probably never go to a cemetery on Memorial Day. You should tomorrow. Make it a point to go to the, to the graveyard tomorrow. You probably in all your life have never even thought about going there because other things are important. But just tomorrow, you accept this challenge as pastor. You go to the cemetery tomorrow and you see all those little flags. Thousands of flags all across that cemetery of veterans that have served, that have bled, and that have died so that you'd have the privilege of the freedom that you enjoy now. It might change your perspective on life and how you face life. It may give you a new appreciation for the country that you live in amidst all of our problems, and we got plenty of them. And I want you to understand it will change your perspective. We need to remember. We need to remember. There are special days and times in Scripture designed to help us remember specific events. I'm going to give you about four things, and, and I'm going to give you a couple of true stories. And we're going to have the folks come back and sing a song. We all know about communion. Paul gave us the instructions about communion. Most churches have the little stand in the front of the podium. Usually it's flowers and holds flowers until communion is taken but has the words on this do in what? remembrance of me he gives us the instructions about the cup and the bread and what they all are significant and we understand that most christians know as we, and we make it plain when we receive communion uh, what this thing is all about and we understand what those emblems take somebody died that you might be free not only did soldiers die so that our world would be free, somebody died 
so that you could be free of sin. And we need to remember. And we realize Sunday is a day of worship, but it's also a memorial day. Now, the world sets aside a day to uh, recognize the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. And I'm glad they set aside a day. But every worship day, every Sunday, every day of worship, we celebrate the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, I realize that there's some uh, one denomination that thinks about, you know, we need to worship on, sa- on the Sabbath day or Saturday. And for 1,500 years, the Hebrew people did worship on a, on a Saturday because the commandment said, remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy. But Jesus gave us the instructions that, that the man was not made for the Sabbath, but Sabbath was made for the man. And, and what the emphasis was that you need to set aside a day of worship. In the New Testament church, they changed the worship uh, to the first day of the week to celebrate the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. And then also the outpouring of the Holy Spirit came on the first day of the week. And so it was, now uh, some people will say, well, Constantine changed all the way the church worship. He had nothing to do with changing the worship day from Saturday to Sunday. That was strictly a New Testament church that did that. They did that long before he was even thought about. But we realize Sunday is a day of worship. It is a memorial day of, of, of the birth of the church, not only on Pentecost, but the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. And thirdly, uh, I appreciate that song he sang. We are to remember our own conversion. Do you remember where you were at? When God touched you, some people got saved in church, and that's great, but not everybody does. Some people can tell you the date, others can't, but I guarantee you they can tell you the time. They know exactly when God touched them. They know exactly when that moment was that they came face to face with a greater decision that they would ever make in their life that day that they received Christ as the Lord and Savior. And we are instructed to remember that. Do you remember where you were at when God found you? Do you remember your condition? My Father. In all the midst of all the fun and games, (laughs) you know, we also need to remember the hell that we was in. And we are instructed in the Word of God to remember our conversion. Do you and I periodically sit down and just rehearse with our memory how good God has been to us and how far He has brought you and the goodness and the things you enjoy now, not an accident. God has brought you a long way from where you started. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 11 and 12 just simply says it that, this way. Therefore, remember that you, once Gentiles in the flesh, who are called uncircumcision by what is called circumcision, made in the flesh by hands. And let me break that down for you. The Hebrew people were very prejudiced. And they were, circumcision was a sign of the covenant that we were up. And they used to say, you are uncircumcised. And they would call you uncircumcised. You're just a Gentile. You're not part of the covenant people. We're part of the covenant people. So it was more like a slang word. It was a put down. You're nobody. You're uncircumcised. Then at that time, you were without Christ, 
being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers from the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in this world. That was where I was at. No hope. My life was a mess. And if I had time to go around and give everybody here a chance to give their testimony, I'd be persuaded to believe that most of you, when you came to Christ, that you was going through a difficult situation, and you realized that you needed to make a change. David just kind of brought it all down, and he just said it's like the common men, like you and I would say it. In Psalms chapter, chapter 40 and verse 2, he said, He, God, brought me up out of a horrible pit. Horrible pit I was in. And the song says, He brought me out of the miry clay. He set my feet on the rock to stay. He put a song in my soul today. A song of praise. Hallelujah. Where were you at? What were you doing? No hope. A mess. And God got your attention somehow and you need you, you realize you need to make a change in your life. The greatest day of your life. You need to remember that every once in a while. When temptation comes and says, well, it's really not worth serving God. It's really not worth, you know, it, it just takes too much, it's too much of a sacrifice. It, I, it's just too much. Listen, you need to remember where you was at and how far God has brought you from. And I challenge you every once in a while, you go back down memory lane. You pull the files on the memory of where you was at when God found you and how good you have it today. The wisest man who ever lived wrote these words to young people. If you're young, if you're under 50, maybe <laughs> you need to listen to this. Ecclesiastes chapter 12, verse 1 says, Remember your Creator in the days of your youth. Before the difficult days of old age come, you need to remember your Creator. You might be here and you're going through life thinking that you don't need anything and you, and you, you are making, man, you got life, uh, you know, uh, you got it under control, and you're somebody going somewhere. I'm telling you, that is a facade. And that will not last. And even if you did make it through this life like that, where would you wind up? Dear Jesus, the end of that road is still death. We need to remember. Remember our Creator in the days of our youth. Rick Warren's wife, Kay, did the commencement message at the graduation ceremony at Biola College this last week. I was there Friday night <clears throat> watching my granddaughter graduate. And Kay got up there with a commencement message, and boy, it was only about 10 minutes long. But I, but I, but I had never met her. I never saw her. I, you know, we're, we're familiar with Rick, but, but I'd never seen his wife. So I was listening. The, she began to talk to those young people. It was the largest graduating class in Biola's history, almost 1,000 students. And she got up there, and her challenge to all of those students was this. 
She said, I'm going to give you two simple principles that are to govern your life. Number one, compassion. Compassion for others who are less fortunate than you. The lost, the hurting, and the dying. Her challenge to those young people was not to abandon the church, but to use their talents and gifts in the place where God planted them. Because with all of its hang-ups and with all of its goof-ups and all of its weirdos and all of its crazies and all of the stupid people in the church and all those other things that you see, the church is still God's only plan for evangelizing this world. And she challenged them to get connected to the church. Don't disconnect yourself from the church. And, and I looked at that big screen and I looked at those thousand uh, beautiful young men, young women uh, that were graduating. And they were listening to this lady, telling them and challenging them to use their gifts where they were planted. And then secondly, she said, have a total love for Jesus. And then she said, if you don't live by these two principles, then all of your accomplishments will have been in vain. All of your positions, all of your education, all of your degrees, all of your talent, all of the awards, all of your fame, all of your money, all the inventions that you will ever create, all will have been in vain if you do not live a life of compassion on those that are around you. Boy, I, I'm telling you, there was power in what she was saying. Wow. And you have to love Jesus totally with all your heart. And if you have, do not live with these two, then your life has been lived in vain. I thought, what a powerful message to a young group of men and women. Where does that come from? Let's hear the conclusion of the whole matter. Love the Lord thy God with all your heart, with all your soul, and all your might. What's the next part of it? Then love your neighbor as yourself. Somewhere along the line, the church probably needs to remember why we're here. It's not to give you a platform to expose your stupidity. It's we got to touch people's lives while we still have a chance and time. Time will one day be over. I want to tell you a couple of stories, true stories. Young man by the name of Josh. He was a successful young businessman in Chicago. He was driving his shiny new 12-cylinder Jaguar XKE down neighborhood street in Chicago. Had life going all the right way. And even though he was speeding, he took time to watch out for children that were playing because they was all over the street. He thought he noticed some movement up ahead, but he didn't. when he got to that point, he went on past, 
And that was as he was passing a brick come out and hit the side door, passenger door of his shiny new Jaguar 12-cylinder XKE. Slammed on the brakes, slammed in reverse, went back, got out of the car and caught a young boy by his shirt, slammed him up against the car and told him, he said, what do you think you're doing? That little brick that you throw is going to cost you a lot of money. And then he noticed the young boy was crying. And he said, please, mister, he said, I could not get anybody's attention. The only way I could get your attention was I had to throw that brick at you. And then he noticed, Josh noticed the tears coming down the young boy's eyes. And he said, my brother tripped off of the curb in his wheelchair, and he's too big. I can't get him back in his wheelchair, and I need your help. Josh swallowed the lump that was in his throat, looked behind the car and seen this young boy on the ground sprawled out, out of his wheelchair. He went and put him back in his wheelchair, took his handkerchief out of his pocket, wiped all the dust and the blood and the scrapes, put him back in his wheelchair, and then him and the young boy, he walked home with the young boy to make sure they got home safely. On the way back to the car, Josh walked real slow. He never fixed the dip in the passenger car door of that shiny new, sleek, 12-cylinder XKE that was only two months old. He kept it to remind himself not to go through life so fast. Someone had to throw a brick at him to get his attention. What does God have to do to get your attention? Several years ago, a man and a woman just in our neighboring town of Shafter, California, in fact, at Jesus Saves Church, they walked the aisle and gave their heart to the Lord. They started and got into ministry. And for years, they had a successful ministry and pastor in various churches. And then they went on the evangelistic field. And this woman began to be a, a, affected by arthritis, rheumatoid arthritis. And she told me, she said, as the arthritis grew and the pain level grew, she said, my attitude became very negative. And, she, and as it progressed, she was, she was resenting sometimes being on the road and being in one of those Airstream, I think it's that chrome or the silver trailers. All other pastors and preachers lived in nice houses, but her and her husband was going around the country doing revivals and living in a trailer, and her attitude kept getting worse as also the arthritis kept getting worse. Pretty soon her arms were frozen to her side. She could not raise them up. Of a morning, in order to get her hands to work, and she would hold them over a steaming hot cup of coffee, and the steam off of the coffee cup would come up in her hands or fingers. She could get limber enough to start working her fingers. 
the pain was excruciating. She finally got to the point where she could not dress herself. Her husband had to dress her. When they went to church or whenever they went out, he would have to get her into her clothes because her arms would not move. They was frozen. Her joints and shoulders was frozen. So not only did her husband have to do duty by being the evangelist, he also had to be the nurse to get her dressed if she went out. He was the one that had to do her hair. He had to learn how to do hair, and he was the one to fix her hair. One day in a church service, much like the one we had this morning, there was a transition between the old, they used to we have that transition. The Sunday school superintendent would be on the platform, and, and there would be a transition from Sunday school to church, and the Sunday school superintendent was making the transition. People were coming back in the building, and they, she had sat in the Bible class in the main sanctuary. And the Sunday school superintendent and the musician started, and he said, why don't we just lift our hands and begin to praise the Lord? And she said, yeah. And she looked at her hands said, yeah, why don't I just raise these ugly old hands? And just start praising the Lord. There have been prayers and prayers, much like that song that you guys, there have been prayers and prayers and prayers prayed over her. She had had enough oil dumped on her to lubricate their car. And that morning, that little voice came by and said, reach up and grab it now. And all at once, you hear the breaking of the arthritis from off her shoulder. Her arms come up, her hands come up, and God miraculously healed her in that service. Healed her attitude at the same time. Completely restored her health. The only thing he did not take, even though she had no pain, even though she had freedom of movement, the swollen joints that come from arthritis remain. And she said, I often ask the Lord, since you told me, heal me, why did you leave those joints like that? And then she understood. Every time she saw those bills, it was a reminder. It was a reminder of how good God had been to her. We need to remember today. You guys, come on. We need to remember today how good God has been to us. Any service, Denton, Marie, any service can be that miracle. Carl, any service. I don't care how long you've prayed. I don't care how the enemy has told you it would not happen for you. I'm telling you any moment of any day could be a time for a miracle for you. Amen. We're going to have them sing the song and then we're going to give people a chance to pray.
Amen. 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 Lest we forget, every service, every time we are gathered together in His name is a time for a miracle. I'm going to pray for us today. I want to, I want to just give somebody an opportunity. If you're here and you don't know Christ as your Savior, you're concerned about where you're going to spend eternity, and you covet this pastor's prayer, let me see your hand this morning right up and right down. Pastor, I need to make a change in my life today. Here's my hand. Would you pray for me? My eyes are coming across the building this morning. Pray for me. I need to make a change in my life. I need to make a change in direction. Here's my hand. Will you pray for me this morning? Is there one anywhere? Coming back across the building. Coming back across the building. Here's my hand. Some of you have made new beginnings. Some of you made decisions here in just the recent few weeks. Hang on. Don't quit. Don't quit. You, I guarantee you're going to be tested. You're going to be tested. You're going to be exposed to a warfare like you've never been exposed to before. But remember, greater is he that's in you than he is in the world. You can do it. Stand with me all across the building. Those of you that are needing a miracle today, I want you to claim it. It's okay to step out in faith and claim your miracle. Now, I want all of us to say this prayer together as we close. There's no service tonight. I just want to remind you, there's no service tonight. We're going to be with our families. I know people are gone. Families are gone, going here and there. And I know that you have plans for your family tonight. But uh, so we'll see on Wednesday. On Wednesday, I'm going, to, I'm going to share with you some of my favorite Bible numbers. Uh, you know I'm into numerology and stuff like that. And I'm going to share with you my favorite Bible numbers, and we'll do a kind of a series, and we'll start Wednesday, okay, on those. And I'm excited about it. You come, and we'll, we'll um, get you, get you uh, infected with the Word of God, okay? I want everybody to pray with me. Lord Jesus, forgive me of my sin and come into my life and make me new. I receive you today. As the Lord and Savior of my life. Amen. God bless you guys. Enjoy your Memorial Day, okay? God bless you guys.